and uh, starting the year and continuing on the year even with us here in the house of the Lord. So we want to welcome you back and uh, let's look into the word of the Lord uh, this morning. Our theme is on reach, all right? And uh, every angle, every, every corner you have been uh, <coughs> bombarded with the theme on reach, but I think we can never have too much uh, of it. And uh, of course, our, our theme verse is taken from the book of Hebrews. And uh, let me just give you an overall, first of all, about a very, a, a very brief overall view of the book of Hebrews so that you can understand the context of it all. Now, the book of Hebrews, we do not really know who the author uh, uh, is. Some say that it is most likely the Apostle Paul. But it could have been Timothy, it could have been Silas, it could have been uh, somebody else. But most likely, it's the Apostle Paul. So whenever I refer to the, to the book of Hebrews, I would just say the writer, all right, for that reason, all right. And, uh, and, and, and it was written to the Hebrew Christians. And it was, during the, uh, it was around the, the year 70 AD. And as you know, during 70 AD, it was a difficult time to be a Christian under the Roman Empire. And the Christians, the Hebrew Christians were persecuted. Christians were under persecution in those days by the Romans. You know? And so they, their life was very difficult and uh, they were under hardship. You know? uh, 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 uh. And uh, uh, economically, they, you know, it, was, it was very challenging. And uh, some faced uh, persecution, including even imprisonment and even death. So it was a very difficult time. And because of that, some of the Christians have fallen away. And also they have decided, hey, it's too big a price to pay, you know. And they have left the faith even. And that's why, you know, the writer here wrote to the Hebrew Christians to encourage them, all right, to not lose the faith at all, to continue to remain strong no matter what. And uh, to also encourage them in various uh, areas, you know, so that they will continue to remain strong in the Lord. And so that's the background of the book of uh, Hebrews. So they were encouraged in so many different ways. They were encouraged to trust the Lord. They were encouraged to hold on. They were encouraged not to be lazy. They were encouraged above all else to, hold, to, to have the truth. It is the truth that will keep them. All right, no matter what the situation may be, the truth you know, uh, uh, of the word of the Lord will sustain and will keep them. And so that's the background to the book of Hebrews. And of course, our, uh, 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 the previous week I shared on uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to verse 25. And today, I was still, I'm still on this passage of Scripture, all right, if you don't mind. You know, uh, let's read together, shall we? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. From this text, I'd like to share on 
how to be a rich Christian. When I pronounce it, it sounds like how to be a R-I-C-H. Huh? You want to be a rich Christian or not? Come on, be honest now. R-I-C-H. If I were to preach on how to be a rich, R-I-C-H, I think you all will be all ears. Okay, give me five tips on how to make wealth, you know, and how to be wealthy and how to be rich. But in line with our theme is how to be a rich, R-E-A-C-H, Christian. I think it's very, very important for us to be a rich Christian. This is the will of the Lord. This is the purpose of the Lord, we believe, you know, and especially for us today. First thing is to draw near to God. Everybody say, draw near to God. How to be a rich Christian? Draw near to God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, for the Jews, they have a very strict theology on entering the presence of God. In fact, in their theology, nobody can enter the presence of God except the high priest. And the high priest can only enter into what we call the Holy of Holies only once a year. And even that, they have very strict condition. He must be purified. And when he enters into the temple, into the innermost part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, his body must be tied with a rope. In case he is struck dead, by the powerful presence of God, they can pull out the body. Now, there's Old Testament. From the temple, or, or rather from the, from the tabernacle from, uh, uh, to the temple. And uh, so it was very, very strict. Nobody can enter the presence of God. But here, the Bible here tells us, let us enter with boldness. Boldly. How is that possible? This is against Jewish theology and understanding. God is so holy, nobody can enter. But guess what? One day at about 3 p.m., somebody died on the cross. And the Bible says that when he died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was split into two. Not from bottom up, because from bottom up, anybody could have torn it. But it was from top down to show that it was an act of God. Not by any human being. So the entrance into God is done not by any human being, but by an act of God himself. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the curtain was split into two so that the veil is now open. In the past, there is a sign, so to speak, that says, do not enter. Because you enter, you die. But now that sign has been removed 
and the sign, a new sign has been put up in a new and living way that says, come in. Come in. And you don't have to fear anymore. The Bible says, enter with boldness. Boldness means not just by your own arrogance, but boldness means you have the permission. God has granted us access into His presence. Up until that day when Jesus died on the cross, nobody had entrance. But when Jesus died on the cross, He has granted us access to God. Now, it blew, it blew the mind of the Jews there. How is that possible? It's possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now He says, come. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. The word draw near is in the great times a present imperative. Present, that means not just one time you can go in. And after that, sorry, you have used up your quota already. Once a year or what? But no, draw is in the present tense. That means keep on drawing near to God. It is a continuous action. Don't do it just at the once, but keep on. Keep on doing it. Keep on drawing near every day, daily. Draw near to God. And it is a present imperative. It is an imperative. In other words, it is a command. It is an obligation. It is not draw near suka suka hati. You know, whenever you like, you know, whenever you feel like it, you draw near. No, it is a command. God commanded us right now. Draw near to God. Oh, what a privilege has been granted to us. God, who has been inaccessible for thousands of years, now invites His people. I want to have fellowship with you. Come, draw near. And it is not to be confined that privilege is not limited to the high priest, but anybody. Anybody who has been washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. You can draw near to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a privilege it is to enter into the presence of Almighty God. And the God that we are talking about here is not a God who is not concerned about you. He's concerned about you. He's, he's not a God who doesn't care less whether you've got problems or not. He's too high up there. No. This is the God. He invites us. This is the God who wants to hear your problems, who wants to know your needs. Of course, He knows all things. But He loves you and I so much that you can come to God with any problem at all. Any problem. Because He is a God, the Bible says, who cares for the sparrows up in the air and the lilies in the fields. So He cares for you. You can come to God with all your needs, with all your problems and challenges. He is there to listen. He is there to hear us. The invitation is, Draw near to God. Friends, draw closer to God. Yes, we have believed. Yes, we have faith already. But how closer are you to God 
end of last year compared, compared to 2017, compared to 2000, have you drawn closer to God? Oh, do we take it for granted? What a privilege that we have to draw near to Him. There was a guy who faced a lot of problems. He lost a wife, lost the children, lost his job. So he decided to look up an old pastor that he knew. Went into the office and just asked that old pastor, bent over, and he asked why. I have begged and I have begged and I have begged to God. And he doesn't seem to answer. Why? Why didn't God answer me? And then the old pastor was seated across the room. He said something in reply. But this man couldn't hear. He said, what? What did you say? So he went slightly over, nearer to the pastor. And again, the pastor made a reply and said something. But again, this man couldn't hear. So he went closer and right until head to head. They were almost touching head to head. What did you say? What did you say? And the pastor said, Sometimes, God whispers to us so that we can draw closer to Him. So many times we shout to God from so far away. It's not that He hasn't heard, but we haven't drawn close to Him. And in our troubles, in our needs, when we don't understand it all, He just whispers to us. He could have spoken loudly, but he chose to whisper to us so that like this young man, he can draw closer, closer, and then you can hear God speaking. And then you can feel the presence, the comfort, the strength of the Lord. So the Bible says, draw near to God. No matter what your situations may be, Brothers and sisters, let us draw near to God. And again here, this is not just an individual act. Constantly throughout all this, the Bible uses the word, let us. Yes, individually we draw near to God, but corporately, let us. Where two or three are gathered, pray, draw near to God. In the cell, draw near to God. We have corporate prayer three times a, 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 a month. Every, uh, the first three weeks of the month. Come on, let's come together. Draw near to God. Can you just imagine? God has given us the permission. God has made the way possible. Are we using it? We need all of you. When all of us come together to pray, I tell you, oh, I know many wonderful things will happen. fact of the matter is, it is almost like the agong 
the king or the sultan have granted us an audience and we fail to turn up. God has granted us, us an audience, an invitation, come. And we fail to turn up. In the political scene, in the monarchy system, that is unimaginable. When you are granted an audience, you show up. Properly attired and ready to meet the king or the sultan. So we draw near, but we draw near on his terms. Although the way is open for us already, draw near with a sincere heart. Sincere heart. Draw near with the assurance of faith without doubting at all, believing the Lord, and draw near with a clear conscience. The Bible talks about a clear conscience, you know, uh, 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 having been cleansed with water and uh, with blood. And what is that? That is not about, that's not talking about water baptism, all right? This is a picture of the Old Testament way, where the priest must be cleansed with a sprinkling even of the blood, you know, and also with a washing of water. So the imagery is still the same, but we must come to God. And what, did, what does the Bible say? Draw near to God. And what will happen? What will happen? He will draw near to you. He will draw near to you. So brothers and sisters, whatever that you are facing, whatever that you are going to face, oh, you know, the rich Christian will reach up to God first and foremost and draw close to Him. Let this be your endeavor. Let this be uh, your resolution, if, if, if need be, if, you know. And uh, uh, let this be your commitment this year. I want to draw near to God. I want to get closer to God. And how do you do that? Through prayer, through the, through the reading of the Word of the Lord. Get near. Draw near to God. That's what a rich Christian will do. Secondly, hold fast to your confession. Everybody say, hold fast. Hold fast to your confession. It says in Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. As I mentioned earlier, the Christians at that time were facing persecution. And it was a hard time. And some of them have left the faith even. The price is just too heavy to pay. But here, the writer says, hold fast to the confession of your faith. Now, in many of the writings in the New Testament, you find that, especially in the letters, the writer will first of all focus on the doctrinal section. And then after that, you will end up and round up with the practical section. And you find that a lot of time, the doctrinal section is bigger, longer. And then the application part, the, the, the practical part, is a shorter. In other words, almost all the writers focus on the doctrines. And then after that, of course, there is the application, but the focus is not 
just on the application. Now for us, many times we want, hey, tell me how to do it. The practical part. I want the practical part. How to be a RICH Christian. But hey, the many of the writers say you must get your doctrine right first. Get your thinking right first. Get your focus right first. Because what you believe will determine how you act, how you live your life. That's the foundation. The truth that we hold on to will sustain us, will keep us. Otherwise, we are building on very sandy ground. But many times, we don't bother about doctrines anymore. We throw out the doctrines. Oh, just tell me the practical stuff. But doctrines are very important. Confession. Confession are the doctrines, you know, doctrinal belief, all right, and uh, both uh, 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 private as well as public. What is the confession of our hope? It's what we believe concerning God. It's what we believe concerning who He is and what He has done. Very, very important. A lot of churches, you know, members or people flock to the church because of that uh, uh, feel-good kind of a feeling. Oh, I feel good, that's all. And you ask the person, uh, and, and so what do you believe? Concerning the faith. The person will say, um, I believe what the Bible says. So, what do you believe the Bible says? Uh, I believe what the church says, the Bible says. And what does the church believe in? They are not able to give an answer. But we must know what we believe in. The doctrine part is very important. That's why we are equipping classes. Alright, I think starting from this week, this week, yeah, to strengthen you even in the faith. It's very, very important to be grounded. And what we believe is not just, well, doctrine is a major part, but it affects our life. I became a Christian in 1975. And at that time, the theologians in those days were people like Francis Schaeffer. I read a lot of the books by Francis Schaeffer. And in 1976, he wrote a book called How Then Shall We Live? How Then Shall We Live? A very powerful book. You know? And his basic doctrine is, his basic belief is, we shall live by what we believe. How, do, how then shall we live? It's back to our doctrines, our belief in the truth of the word of the Lord. We believe, or, or, or how then shall we live? We live by what we profess, by what we confess. And this is what the author says, all fast to your confession. What do you confess concerning the Lord Jesus Christ? Concerning God. When you are strongly grounded, brothers, nothing, nothing can cause you to waver 
Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. There are many, too many wavering Christians. Somebody come and whisper something, hey, have you heard so and so? Huh? Really? Yeah? You know? Hey, have you heard this new thing? Oh, really? Yeah? I want to be a part of it. Because they don't know. They waver. Like a double-minded person. Tossed about by every wind of doctrine. But friends, when you believe, you know, and, and, and confess, you know, uh, uh, then you hold fast to your hope without wavering. That's, that's a mature and rich Christian. So go on unto maturity. Some of us, you know, it will take, it will take time, all right? Some longer than others, but come on. Let's, let, let, let's make this year a year of really growing in our confession, growing in our faith, learning the truth. When you know the truth, then nothing can shake us. It is when there are a lot of untruths out there, a lot, a lot of gossip, a lot of uh, uh, slandering, a lot of, well, nowadays very, very popular is a lot of fake news out there, all right, that we begin to waver in our faith. But when you are strongly grounded in your confession, brothers and sisters, nothing can cause you to be shaken. Hallelujah. Hold fast the confession of our hope. And the confession of our hope is Jesus Christ. He is not just a high priest here, but the whole book of Hebrews tells us he, Jesus Christ is greater than the angels. Jesus Christ is better than any other system. Jesus Christ is greater than any other priest. The best priest that the Old Testament ever had was Aaron, the first priest, the first high priest. But Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, is greater than Aaron. He is, the, the term that's used is not only is he a high priest, in verse 21, he is also referred to as the great, I, priest, the one who has made the new and living way for us. And now we can enter into the presence of God. That's why he's great. He's compassionate and he is gracious. And friends, hold on to the confession of the faith no matter what happens because he who promised is, he who promised is faithful. Writing to the Hebrew Christians facing difficult times. He tells them, you hold fast because the Lord who promised you, He will back up His promise. He will stand by His word. He is faithful. So no matter what you will face this year, brothers and sisters, hold fast. Hold fast to every promises that God has given you. When the storms come, when the heat intensifies, hold fast because God is faithful. Whatever that He promised you, He will bring it to pass. That's the promise of God. We can depend on God. We can hold fast to this confession. When we are hit by a crisis, 
we can say, my God is faithful. I don't understand it, but my God is faithful. He will see me through. Somebody say, Amen. When you don't understand, when you may not even appreciate it, but you can stand up and still say, my God, He is faithful. He has never failed. He will never fail. So devil, no matter what you throw at me, the world, no matter what you throw at me, I'm going to make it because my God is faithful. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! You can be sure of that, brothers and sisters. Hold fast. And thirdly, consider one another. Rich Christians consider one another. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. I hope this, the words are not too bright. Huh? Some of you have to wear glasses already. <laughs> okay. We are still adjusting to see what's the best level. All right. But consider one another, the Bible says. You see, the Christian, the Christian life is not a solo act. Again here, it says, let us. Let us is already in the plural. And then here, one another. That means... It's not just all about myself. Well, it doesn't matter what happens. I don't care what happens to others. As long as I'm blessed by the Lord, I come to church, I'm blessed, I go back, I'm happy. No. He says, consider one another. The word consider, as I've explained in the last session, means you fix your attention. You fix your mind. You direct your focus to. So where's the focus? One another. Not we as individual, but we as the body of Christ, one another. It's the outward focus life. That's what a rich Christian does. It's not a me-centric kind of a life. Why do you come to church? Yes, to worship the Lord, to draw near to God, yes. But another reason, a very important reason, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In other words, when we assemble together, it's not just God. How are you going to bless me today? But rather, reaching out to others. How can I motivate, how can I encourage one another? Have you ever thought about that when you come to church? God, lead me to somebody that I can be an encouragement to. Or is it just, let's see how God is going to bless me today. I mean, that is fine. You come with an expectant heart. We, you know, that is very good. But besides that, it is considering one another. When you consider one another, it says to stir up love. 
to stir up. In the King James Version, the word used is to provoke. Wow, provoke is a very powerful word. Provoke means to bring out something from somebody. You provoke the person to anger. Wow, you know, you get a nasty uh, face and, uh, and words and all those things. But you provoke somebody to love. Wow, the feeling is good. And we become very uh, a loving community. So you can provoke somebody to, uh, to negatively and you can provoke somebody positively. Husbands, go back home today and provoke your wife. Hallelujah. Amen. Not to anger. All right, not to anger. But provoke your, your wife. You know, do something special. Do something nice. It may just be a word that you have forgotten to say. It may be an action. It may be anything. We can provoke one another. The five love languages. Alright, some are more easily provoked with uh, a gift. Some are with words. Some are with action. In different ways. Some respond to touch. Some respond to what they hear. You know, the five love languages. So provoke one another in that sense. And when you do that, you will have a happier family. All right? But here we are talking about the church. We provoke one another unto good works. In other words, hey, we are a family. We are a family, really. This is a community of faith. The one anotherness that is found so many times in the Bible. In fact, the word encourage is here, is here used uh, 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 twice already, you know, and uh, the word exhorting one another. As you gather together, exhorting means uh, encourage one another. In other words, you know, coming alongside somebody. As somebody says, when you are strong, the team or the body needs you. When you are weak, you need the team. You need the body. All of us, we need one another. We are not perfect. There are times that we get discouraged. All right? And we need somebody to come along and just encourage us. Everybody needs encouragement. Encouragement is the fuel for the soul. All right? And uh, in this Christian life, in this Christian journey, it's not easy. It will continue to be a challenging thing. All right? And sometimes, you know, we have people who just, ah, forget it, you know. You know, it's so hard to be a Christian businessman and they walk out, you know. Hey, go alongside the person. Encourage the person, you know, to, 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 to remain in the Lord, you know, to, 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 to pray through with the person until there is a breakthrough. Encourage one another. I don't have to tell you that life is just so easy. Many times, life is so filled with discouragements, you know. And life is so filled with uh, disappointments. And, and, and many people are just discouraged. And you can play that key role. Consider one another. Encourage one another. The body of Christ needs this. And that's one of the reasons, especially the Bible says so much the more as you see the day approaching. If you do not see the need for this, at least when you consider that Jesus Christ is coming soon, brothers and sisters, let's do it. Encourage one another. The encouragement is not just yourself, but you motivate others to encourage one another. There are many 
Christian leaders who believe that this may be the year that Jesus Christ is coming. This is not a prophecy, all right? So don't take it as gospel truth. There are many people who are each year, everybody, somebody will come up and say, Jesus Christ is coming. But I believe that we are reaching the end of times already, really. Uh, the day is getting shorter and shorter. The day approaching is the coming of the Lord. It's approaching nearer and nearer. It's nearer by one more year already. With the passing of last year, we are nearer by one more year. So brother, encourage one another. Jesus Christ is coming. That is our hope. The word encourage is all over the scripture. Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another. When do you do it? Daily. Yeah. Daily. As long as it is called today. Nowadays, you can encourage one another so easily. I heard of some, uh, a sister who was so encouraged with just a WhatsApp message. That's all. Just a simple WhatsApp message to show that the person knows and cares and is praying for the person. We may not have all the answers. But just keeping in touch with one another. Being considerate of what the person is going through. Putting ourselves in the person's shoe. We may not have all the answers but we can be an encourager. Tell your neighbor, I want to be an encourager. I want to be an encourager. Hallelujah. God has put us together. This is a wonderful body of Christ. And there have been so many acts, you know, of encouragement that I see that they have been shown to one another. Thank God for that. So I keep urging you to do it just like in the First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. What? Just as in fact you are doing. And many of you are already doing it. I applaud you for that. And I continue to encourage you to encourage one another, to consider one another. And so, brothers and sisters, how do we become a rich Christian? I've just pointed out three ways. But actually, in the book of Hebrews, there are nine ways. <laughs> Alright? There are nine statements. The let us statement. When you say let us, that means it is a command. It's, it is uh, something that we must do. There are nine let us statements in Hebrews. Chapter 4, verse 1, let us fear. Chapter 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Chapter 6, verse 1, let us go on to perfection. And the one that we have considered, you know, let us draw near, 10.22, hold fast the confession of our hope, 10.23, and let us consider one another, 10.24, and number seven, let us run with endurance. And number eight, let us go forth to Him. And it concludes by saying, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. So, let us do it. Amen? Let us, let us, let us, together, not by yourself. I can't do it by myself. You cannot do it by yourself. But let us hold one another's hand. 
an anthropologist who was studying a tribe in South Africa. And the tribe is called the Fossa tribe. A tribe you know? So in one of the experiments, the anthropologist put a basket full of fruits under a tree. And then he lined up the children on the other side, you know, uh, about 100 meters away. And they were all lined up in a straight row. And the anthropologist says, uh, whoever gets to the basket first, you'll get to eat all the fruits. You'll get to keep all the fruits. Are you all ready? And so they're all ready, you know, ready to run to see who will get there first to get all the fruits. And then when you say, one, two, three, and then after that, they started to move. And to the surprise of the anthropologists, you know what? Now, in Malaysia, I think we will outrun each other, right? We will outrun each other to get the fruits all for ourselves. But to the surprise of the anthropologists, these kids held one another's hand. And all of them were running together. And all of them reached the fruit basket together. And all of them ate the fruit together. Who taught them that? And so the anthropologists asked, why? Why didn't you? Some of you run faster and get the fruit for yourself. And then the kids replied, Ubuntu, Ubuntu. What is Ubuntu? Ubuntu is a fossil language for I am because we are. I am because we are. Ubuntu. That means there is that community thing. It's not just me, myself, and I. I am because we are. And in this church, each one of us, we are. Not, it's not just I am, but it's I am because we are. Together, let us encourage, let us do the work of the Lord and offer the sacrifice of praise together. So, rich Christian, rich Christians draw near to God. Rich Christians hold fast to the confession of faith. And rich Christians consider one another. Turn to your neighbor and ask, am I a rich Christian? Are you a rich Christian? How many of you want to be a rich Christian? Say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray.